This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan And we are coming to you on another Monday morning. And Brendan, these are not the names that we have been waiting for all offseason. But technically speaking, the Cubs have made transactions that we can talk about. This is a rarity on the Cubs-related podcast, really for the last few months here. Uh, But if you went into this offseason hoping that the Cubs would be bargain bin hunting for relievers, boy, do I have some good news for you. All right. This is your podcast. This is your turn. It's happening. So we will talk about some of those names. Uh, The Cubs loading up on basically anybody that could possibly qualify as a major league reliever going forward. Uh, And we will break down some of those names. And we will, again, continue to talk about the state of the offseason as another podcast is here and Manny Machado and Bryce Harper still do not have teams. We did get a big free agent off the board this week, though, with A.J. Pollock going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, uh, again, we will take a look at where things stand as, Brendan, we are only about two and a half weeks from the Cubs showing up in beautiful Mesa, Arizona for another session of spring training. So uh, we are almost done, folks. We are almost to the point where there are bats and balls and gloves and we can stop the speculation. We're, we're done with the hotel conventions and uh, drummed up rivalries uh, that, you know, start out of innocuous comments and there'll be baseball to play. So we're almost there. Stick with us. We're almost there. Almost there. But Brendan, I, I do want to start. We'll get to the names that the Cubs added. But for this week, I do want to start. Uh, we do have to wish a very fond farewell uh, to someone who was really near and dear to our hearts and so near and dear to our hearts, Brendan, that when the, the signing was announced, when it was announced that he was joining another team, I went onto the Cubs Insider Twitter uh, to you know, to try to tweet something like, hey, this guy isn't on the Cubs anymore. Um but remember this cool thing. And I got to be honest with you, Brendan. There's nothing. I, I did not come up with anything. I have uh, one thing, though, Corey. One thing does stand out. The GIF. The GIF. Yeah. The so, shut up GIF. That's, yeah. the, that's, the only, that's the only thing. Right. So the big reveal here, Justin Wilson is no longer a Chicago Cub. I, I can feel the collective heartbreak amongst our listeners or and, a deep and breath. You. Depends how you feel about yeah. it. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, Brendan, I don't think anybody is going to miss Justin Wilson. It, uh, and it wasn't as if he was bad though, Corey, that's the thing. He wasn't like a complete disaster, but he, you know, he just didn't meet expectations. He was just kind of there. He was just kind of there. And there were times where it was so frustrating, especially, you know, you guys have listened to us for a few years now. One of our biggest pet peeves is guys who can't throw strikes out of the bullpen. So Justin Wilson at times was the perfect epitome of what, what we disliked in relievers. So, yeah. you know, he wasn't that bad, but man, did he just ramp up my anxiety. I couldn't take it. Yeah, I think he was definitely better uh, in his first full year, well, his only full year with the Cubs, rather than 
post the the trade, you know, yeah. half season that he was acquired in 2017. But yeah, a, a very, very frustrating player to watch at times. And I think especially too, because, you know, the, the, the Cubs did pay a, a pretty decent price for him to the Detroit Tigers. I mean, obviously, Heimer Candelario, not really with a lot of space to play on this current Cubs team, especially in another offseason where we talk about how there's, you know, no room for everybody or people need to step up, etc. But, you know, he's he's had a, a nice little run there for the Detroit Tigers. And yeah, it was a great deal for the Tigers. And they he, got Isaac Paredes, too, right. who he will be a top 100 prospect within that was a, a Brendan Miller favorite, Isaac Paredes. He was my favorite hitter at the time before yeah. Miguel Maya, you know, kind of came onto the scene. But yeah. So yeah, it just... Yeah, all, all all jokes aside, Justin Wilson is not a Cub anymore. And, you know, again, like it wasn't the worst thing that ever happened to anybody, but I really don't think anybody is going to miss Justin Wilson. And and I really do mean that earnestly. I, I looked for a particular moment. I think for most of the relievers, you could pinpoint, oh, yeah, that big strikeout or that big celebration or, or you know, something like that. I think for a lot of these guys, something really immediately comes to mind. Um, with Justin Wilson, I, I really had nothing. Uh, there was before, a couple, you know, bases loaded jam escapes, but yeah. not that anybody would really remember. And yeah, like you said, the, the, the main thing, uh, you know, bouncing around the Cubs social media realm was that gif of him telling Rizzo to shut up, which even at the time it happened, there was a pretty like mixed response to that. I, I remember a lot of people thinking it was funny and a lot of people having the reaction of, I'm sure they're just joking, but Justin Wilson better not be telling Anthony Rizzo, of all people, to shut up, right? And I love how Rizzo, at that time, turned to the umpires, like, did you just hear this guy say <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. No, uh, it was great. I think Madden went on the score the next day. I was listening to it, and he said Wilson was joking, but you never know. But, but I, I want to read Isaac Paredes' stat line just to bring down the mood a little bit. Oh, good. So, yeah, of course. In Double A last year, by the way, this kid is, what is he? He's 19 years old, and he's playing playing in double-A. You ready for this? He hit 288. Uh, I'm sorry. He hit 321, uh, Corey. Sorry, 321 with three homers in 155 plate appearances. His Wobo is 388. He struck out only 14% of the time, and he walked over 12% of the time. Corey, kill me. My God. Anyway, let's, let's, let's move on here. Jeez. Well, yeah, I mean, you, uh, Brendan is, an, if nothing else, an expert at bringing down the mood uh, as, I as mean, quickly those numbers, as possible. Man, Nineteen years old; those are like, oh, come on, yeah, uh, for Justin Wilson. But okay. so let's go through uh, the names that the Cubs do add. Uh, there are three of them on on varying deals for each of them. Uh, the the major league deal of the group is uh, Brad Brock, and I'm pretty sure we have that name right. This is another one in those, uh, hopefully we're pronouncing it right, but we'll see. Uh, it's spelled B-R-A-C-H, but I believe it is pronounced Brock. And so he joins the Cubs on a major league deal. The Cubs also signing two minor league deals, that with Junichi Tazawa, a right-hander, and another right-hander, George Contos. And before we get into uh, Brock, who I, I guess <laughs> uh, this is probably not something that's ever been said, but he's the headliner of this group. Um, you know, you can read into that however you'd like. He's good, though. This, I mean, not yeah. to like. Uh, but it's just amusing. I, in an sure. offseason where the expectations were Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, we've got Daniel Descalso and Brad Brock, but you know, we'll, we'll deal with that a, a, another day, I suppose. But before we get into Brock, I do just want to point out, if you're thinking, where do I know the name George Contos? Where have I heard that before? You're not mistaken. And it is in the, the back of your head, on the tip of your tongue. And that is because George Contos happens to be the pitcher, Brendan, who gives up a home run in the NLDS in 2016 to none other than Travis Wood. <laughs> I love it. Although at the time, that was coming off Hendricks almost breaking his hand. So yes. I couldn't even enjoy Travis Wood's homer. I that was, was a very distraught. scary moment. I was distraught. Yes. I thought his season was over. 
but yeah, George Contos. And even, you know, it's funny that you say that because during our pregame, well, pregame, our pre-pod discussions, pre-game. I asked that question. I'm like, didn't George Contos give up that homer to Travis Wood? And sure enough, he did. It was on the tip of my tongue and that's who it was. Yeah. Though I will say to George's credit, he's not involved in that implosion in game four for the Giants bullpen. So you kind of take your pick there. Is he giving up home runs to pitchers? Is he blowing the series? I'll take the homer to the pitcher. Did Contos you know? relieve Samarja that game? Is that the Samarja game? I think it was. If it's game two, it is, yes. It is game two. Yeah, yeah Samarja came out and just got shelled. Yeah. That was and that's a fun clip. I always share that clip of, of the Travis Wood home run because it's, it's on – Maybe FS1. I don't remember which of the you know silly networks was broadcast. Maybe TBS, whatever. Yeah, I think it was TBS. But they were doing the interview thing. They always have to use the Pat Hughes call of that home run because they are busy interviewing, I think, Joe Madden, either Madden or, or Bochi, I don't remember, uh, on the broadcast. So they're, they don't have like a call of that home run. I think they assumed Travis Wood was not going to do anything interesting. Uh, so there just isn't a TV highlight of, uh, of Travis Wood hitting that home run. But anyway, the Cubs have George Contos on a minor league deal, but I, I want to turn it over to you first, uh, as sure. you are the, let me, dig into the repertoire and, and the sequencing of all of this guy on, on, okay. on this podcast. And and tell us a little bit uh, about uh, the new reliever, Brad Brock. And then, you know, you and I can get into, I guess, the overall offseason strategy that the Cubs appear to be employing here at this point. Um, but tell in in uh, Pat Hughes fashion, uh, Ronnie, tell us about Brad Brock. <laughs> I look, I like Brock. I think the year last year was unique in that he started the year off not like his normal self. And his velocity overall in 2019, or rather 2018, was down. But if you look at the month by month and game by game velocity, he normalized. He got back to his career norm right by the all-star break. So for whatever reason, and by the way, this the same thing happened to Lester last year. He came out of the gate, he was throwing slower, as the year progressed, he looked just like his former self. And that's exactly what happened to Brad Brock. So overall, his numbers last year, he had a 3.59 ERA, a 3.67 FIP, which by today's standards, in today's highly more offensive nature, pretty good. And even more recently in 2017 and 2016, in 2016, he had an ERA of 2.05 in 80 innings. In 2017, a 3.18 ERA in 70 innings. His K rate's always above league average, and he throws fastballs around 95 miles per hour on average. He complements that with a changeup and then a slider, which probably is the worst of his three pitches, even though the slider is still pretty, pretty valuable. But he gets the majority of his whiffs with that fastball. So his fastball whiff rate about three times higher than that of league average. His changeup whiff rate, about 50% higher than the league average. And so that's that's who he is. There are probably concerns about his age, and I share those concerns. He'll be 33 uh, this upcoming season, and that's that's kind of the game for him. Other than that little blip in April and May of last year with his velocity, I think everything looks pretty good. His command may have been off. He had a walk rate above 4. His career walk rate is 4. But in his best years, it's usually been below three. But overall, I, I like it. For $3 million, it adds a little bit of stability to that bullpen. And right now, that bullpen, you, you look around, it has so many different options. I think we were looking even at the minors. We're looking at some of the minor league signings, like the, we were just saying with Kantos and Tazawa. And you can see what the Cubs are trying to do. And yeah, they're going bargain hopping, but... At the very least, you know the top five in the bullpen right now is C.J. Edwards, Pedro Strope. When Morrow gets back, will be Morrow, Brad Brock, Steve Cizek, and then as a consolation, you have Mike Montgomery. So for the top five, you can pick six of those guys to, to fill in. Overall, I, I like it, Corey. It's $3 million. It's basically nothing. Remember, we're paying Dunsing $3.5 million 
and Kinsler $5 million next year, and those two guys likely won't have that much of an influence. So I, I think it's it's pretty clear the way the Cubs are going about this, and I don't really have a problem with it. And I think, you know, you need you want to look at, I think, how they're assembling the bullpen probably independent of your feelings on their other spending. So, you know, I, I don't think that them going bargain hunting in the bullpen, you know, should be looked at in conjunction with whether or not they're also spending on Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. I, I think that, you know, you kind of have to build different levels of the team differently. And I think for the whole offseason, Brendan, you and I have been in agreement on not wanting to wade into those deeper waters of the bullpen market and not well, wanting think, to pay. Right. I, I, I Personally, I would not have been comfortable giving him the contract the Cardinals gave him. I'm not saying that's a bad deal. And if the Cubs had more flexibility with their payroll, I would have jumped in and given that same deal. But given where they're at, I just don't want to throw that risk. And same thing with Kimbrell, who who knows what he'll make given the market's bizarre right now. But it just I think given the flexibility that the Cubs don't currently have, right, and a lot of the potential they have and younger arms who need to develop, I, I think this is probably the right course to go, even if the Cubs did have a slightly more flexible payroll. Yeah, and you just, you know, you have a lot of money tied up in pitching right now. You know, you you just paid Cole Hamels $20 million. Obviously, Lester, though, as I very frequently point out, is very well worth it. It's still a big contract. You, Darvish, yeah. obviously a big contract for a while now. Tyler Chatwood on a relatively big contract, certainly relative to his production level to this point. So, you know, adding these big contracts to the bullpen while you're sitting here wondering what output you're going to get from someone like Brandon Morrow, who's also on a relatively large contract, you know, there's, I think there's a degree where you just sort of get concerned about continually adding those contracts to that. So I, like mm-hmm. I said, I think you and I have been pretty firmly in the stay away from that uh, camp. You know, someone like Adam Adovino would have been interesting, especially for what he signed for. But I, I understand what the Cubs are doing. And I always look at especially bullpen construction, as something that you you do not need to solve all at once. For the bullpen, and I think the Cubs have done this in the last few seasons, you, you can look at it in, in pieces, right? Like you, you don't need any of these guys or you don't need to be able to project them for what they're going to do in April all the way till the end of October. You, you don't really need that. You you need to look at, okay, how do we put together a good enough bullpen for spring training that we can have guys compete and eventually distill it down to a, a good group that can, you know, back this, this starting staff. And then, okay, how do we get to the trade deadline, you know, the all-star break trade deadline area, when obviously then you have teams falling out of competition, new guys kind of enter the fray as far as being viable options to go out and get via trade, et cetera. And we just talked about one of these examples in Justin Wilson, obviously probably a higher price than you would have liked to pay given the, the eventual output, but not an organizational shattering deal to deal Candelario and Paredes, right? And, you know, then from the all-star break, you go to, or the trade deadline, excuse me, then you go to, okay, now we still have this waiver trade period. Then we have the rosters expanding in September and even more options enter the fray. So you don't need to have it settled come opening day. I, I, I wish that we all felt more confident in the Cubs bullpen. I think there's no denying that. It's it's of course not exactly the most confidence-inspiring group, especially when, you know, you have no clue what the status of Brandon Morrow is going to be and when that status is even going to be available to you. You know, you have someone like Carl Edwards, who I think we talked about on the last episode, you know, just one of those guys who goes in between being one of the better relievers in the league to borderline unusable after two pitches that are 10 feet out of the zone, right? So yeah, yeah, I I wish that, you know, we were looking at a bullpen like the Yankees have assembled, where it's basically all-star after all-star after all-star just coming out. That's like historically great. Yeah, of course. Like so I, I, I wish, the best of all time. Yeah, I, I, I would love to have a, a bullpen that we were that <laughs> confident in everybody in their role. 
But like you said, Brendan, I think given where the Cubs are spending-wise and, and just where their overall talent is is dispersed on this team, I think that this is a fine strategy. You load up on these guys, you know, a, a lot of them are going to end up being on minor league contracts or just getting that invite to spring training. But you load up on these guys that have major league experience, who have uh, pitched at least some quality innings of major league relief, and you you know you let them fight it out, and you and you see what you can get out of them. And between you know veteran types like we've discussed, and that the Cubs have added this week, you know you have those younger guys. We'll get into some of these names, but obviously Adbert Alzolay is one of those names that's going to continually come up. Uh, I think throughout this offseason and especially once the season get going, a lot of people very confident that it'll be playing a role for the Major League Chicago Cubs this year. But, you know, you also have guys, you know, we I don't expect anything out of Tyler Chatwood at this point, but he's not going to be in the rotation. And, you you know, you have a project basically for uh, Tommy Hottaby to Correct. say— Look, try to get something out of this guy. He's he's got an interesting pitch mix. He's got an interesting repertoire. Play around with his sequencing. You know, try to ramp up the velocity. Maybe coming out of the bullpen in relief. Sure. See what you can get out sure. of it. Right? Yeah. Like, who knows? So, I think yeah. the Cubs have enough. And, and you know, maybe they're not even done adding, but th- they have the options to see if they can again distill it all down to you know that that number of guys that can be a useful bullpen. So I think it's a fine strategy. You let them battle it out. And again, hopefully you can get through at least just one segment of the season without, you know, needing to totally overhaul the bullpen. And then you, you know, you just keep monitoring it as you go. Yeah, the spring training will be fine. And this spring, follow the Cubs and all those young prospects to Arizona For Cactus League Spring Training, amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. Again, all the stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 10 stadiums, 75 degree temperatures, they're all within 50 miles. If you go to Scottsdale, you can see the Cubs, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, all within like maybe a 10 minute car drive. Pretty remarkable. There's so much to do and see nearby. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from around the world, especially in downtown Phoenix, which is a growing bar scene, a growing brewery scene, museums. Explore the Arizona outfield. Check off must-see destinations from your bucket list like the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, and Tucson. And of course, it's family-friendly, so you can bring your kids. There's tons of stuff for kids to do and see like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. The weather, again, is perfect this time of year. So Chicago, I know it was in, like, what, the negative degree temperatures this week? I think it was, like, negative two as high. Guess what? Three weeks from now, 75 degree temperatures. you got to get out there. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. So, Corey, I was writing down... All the potential arms the Cubs could use out of the bullpen this year. And I wrote down 22 names. (laughs) No exaggeration. 22 names. And I think that points to maybe kind of a breakthrough coming from the Cubs minor league pitching department. Sadev of The Athletic wrote an incredible piece actually a few days ago highlighting some of the Cubs' weaknesses in developing pitchers, but more so in the context of talking with Jason McLeod, the scouting director of, of player development for the Cubs. And McLeod was very transparent. Like, yeah, look, we were too conservative with our pitching development over the last almost decade now. And we're letting guys go a little bit and not trying to be so nitty picky. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But he essentially kind of acknowledged that their philosophy has not worked. We're going to change our philosophy and try something new. I think that's exciting to see. Doesn't mean it's going to work, but at least they recognize there's issues there. And just from that mid-tier, double-A, triple-A pool of pitchers, there's 10 names right now I can list off. Like like you said, Al Soleil, Justin Steele, Dakota Meeks, Dylan Mables, Underwood Jr., De La Cruz, James Norwood, Keegan Thompson, Thomas Atch. So there, there's... So many guys, and those guys are knocking on the door. 
So when you go in and you include George Contos and Tazawa and Chatwood, if you can get it together, you combine that with what the Cubs currently have in their bullpen, you can see some guys kind of popping out and being really good surprises for the Cubs. And I think one of the names I'm most excited about is James Norwood and Dakota Meeks. I know Evan Altman of Cubs Insider actually interviewed Dakota Meeks for a long time. And the amount of insight that Meeks gave into development and his expectations is exciting. And Meeks is a guy who's like, I don't know, six foot seven or something like that. He throws 100 miles per hour. That's exciting. And for the first time, I, I think I can remember as as a fan underneath Theo's presidency, we, we were finally seeing guys who could be valuable pitchers next season. So spring training will be fun to monitor those guys because they will be there. And if this is the strategy they're going to use, which right now in the offseason probably appears that way, I can see it working. And yeah, I want to have a little bit more stability, but look, man, relievers are fickle. Stability in the bullpen is most of the time not a reality, Corey. Right. And I, you know, I think like you were kind of alluding to at some point, you got to try some of these guys out. You you need to eventually be producing something in the way of pitching talent on your own. And, you know, like you mentioned, we, we really have not seen much or any of that uh, throughout Theo's time here. So, yeah. And it's I, trickled down. It's affected like what the Cubs it are affects able everything. to do. Yeah, it affects who you have to trade for. It affects, you, you know, exactly. who you need to draft. Exactly. It affects the, yeah, it affects the whole operation. So, I do think it's good that at the very least, you know, obviously you see how it shakes out, but there does appear to be some optimism as as far as that goes. And like you said, there's some interesting names and you never know uh, how many, if any, are going to, you know, really play a significant impact. But it is, I think, exciting to have some of these names on the horizon that you can look at and say, yeah, you know, like there are some guys that may compete in spring training and uh, hopefully some of them, you know, push their way through and and, and make things uh, difficult decision wise. And, you know, then uh, you're you're not really worried about who you have to go out and acquire or trade for. You know, again, like at some point you need to be producing some of these guys on your own. So it, it's good that uh, maybe it feels like right now we're, we're on the cusp of, of that potentially happening. So we're heading into late March and April. Who is your closer? Do you give it to Steve Zizek? Do you give it to Pedro Strope? Do you do a committee? What do you want to do? I mean, right now we're we're tilting our hats to the left, Brendan. Uh, dude, I want that the entire year. Can yeah, you, I mean, we're going Pedro that? Strope. Let's go. Yeah. Like, Pedro Strope is uh, annually one of the most underappreciated Chicago Cubs uh, and will probably go down as one of the most underappreciated Chicago Cubs of all time. I, I We read this stat, I, I think, on here all the time, but he is the only reliever in Chicago Cubs history to post five plus seasons of three or lower ERA relief pitching. Do you retire Ever. that number? Do you retire that number? I'm being serious here. We, we oh. talked about Lester, but I mean, Brendan. Strope has an argument to I make as know. well. You don't think so? I would lean no. That feels okay. aggressive. So hold, on, hold on. What if he has one of his better years as a closer this year for the Cubs? And let's say they have kind of a deep I don't know, man. There's front. a lot of guys who have had big impacts that they don't retire the number. All right, let me, I let think me give retiring you the number is a, a very... <laughs> a, a very exclusive honor. I'm not sure he would fit in there. Okay, let me give you let me give you a scenario. I mean, let's, as let's it say, stands right now, we talked about this. Like Kerry Woods' numbers not retired. True, true, but like not against. Yeah, I mean, anything. you could look at someone like Aramis Ramirez. Even like these guys have huge impacts, but they don't get their number retired. It's a very small list. I don't think I love Pedro Strope. You're you're making me kind of turn heel on my own guy here, but. I, I that feels aggressive to me. What, hold on. What if he closes out the World Series and he has that resume? He has a solid year. He's on the mound. He's closing out the series for the Cubs, second championship. I mean, I, I look, I think you could make an argument for it. Uh but I I I don't know. I think Kerry's number will Doesn't be feel right. one day. I I think that will happen. And whose number? Kerry Wood. I think I think they will do it one day. Yeah, it'll be retired for John Lester. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It, it will be. Yeah. 
Oh my God! Where do we go from there? Uh, well, but, uh, but I, just, I'm just getting back that. to Strobe uh, again, like whether or not I don't know. Retiring a number feels aggressive to me, just because of how exclusive that group is and who isn't currently. But you uh, just named off all those numbers. Like he's the only Cubs reliever right. to do this, and you look at the Cubs relief history. There's not that many people there. I mean, we have Lee yeah. Smith I think going that's fame, where the argument comes in is that he's that's part of he's the carving a, a name for himself in a group that doesn't have as many of those uh, you know types of of players. The, the Cubs you know don't have a big history of these uh, you know that many guys being such star relievers. Um, and but, he was such a great impact on the clubhouse and. The entire environment of a lot yeah. of those prospects growing well, up, and, you know, you know and we, we talk about too. He's he's one of those guys, obviously not, uh, you know, like Rizzo or Castro, who had been there, you know, from from that kind of beginning point of the turnaround, and then were there. Um, he was a year late, <laughs> just one year late. That's all it was. Well, he he is there for you know at least part of one of the the down years when he comes over with Arietta. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I do think that he is at least somewhat a part of that kind of, I was, you know, on both sides here, you know, and it just is, again, I, I can't stress it enough. I mean, the guy has never had an ERA above 2.9 with the Chicago Cubs I last mean, year, 2.26. He's just been very consistent and very good for this team, and uh, and like you said, he he does have one of the he does give off the vibe that he is like a big part of this clubhouse and and just who the Cubs are right now, and and uh, for whatever reason, there is just a segment of the fan base that uh, just does not appreciate him in that context. And I feel like that's actually shrunk a little bit over the past year. I think people are coming I do around too. to the well, idea. Well, we've gotten further and further. I always mention this, but yeah. I'm telling you, it's that Johnny Peralta home run in 2015 uh, <laughs> against the Cardinals. He be blows like one game against the Cardinals, yeah, and I, I swear, I, I stake my hat on it, that there are a ton of people who watch that and will never forgive him for it. Uh, but... Yeah, if there is a true friend of the Cubs related podcast and someone who we will absolutely not tolerate any slander for, it is number 46. It is Pedro Stroke because yeah. he is uh that dude. So, um maybe I should get like one of those, you know, jerseys. Like I, I usually don't wear that many Yeah, I names, thought about it. I thought about that that uh players the yeah. uh the players weekend ones where I think he had Stropey on the back, but yeah, I like that. I, Although I don't like those jerseys, those, those baby, I'm not a big baby blue guy. So I don't know if I okay. would rock that, but interesting. Wait, you I, like those? I, I didn't know that about you, Brendan. Do uh, you like those I, I thought the ones from last year, the jerseys, I, I like that, that Cubs logo. I'm not exactly positive. Yeah, but you like that baby blue radio, though, but I don't, I mean, it's just different. I mean, I have, you know, we all have so many, Cubs related clothing items that are the same colors. Sometimes I'm intrigued by diversifying a little bit. But what I was going to say is that I I was going to get one of those. I think it was last year or 2018. This this summer when uh, I, I I liked that shirt a little more than the year before. But I went to the stores around Wrigley Field. And they, they didn't have Strope. They only, you know, really had like uh, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, you know, some of the uh, the the main names, if you will. So I, yeah. I could have ordered it online, but I just didn't. But I, I was I did go with the intention of getting a Strope jersey, uh, but it didn't happen. So maybe this year, if they uh, hopefully they change up those player jerseys because I'm I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of those. Not to offend anyone. I, but. You know. I don't know. I don't know that anybody would be offended. But getting yeah. back to your original question, that's who I would turn to as the closer uh, until Morrow was back. I mean, I'm, I yeah. I mean, I'm, I really might even entertain the idea of you know going in with Strope, getting that role, and hoping he just sticks in it. Because again, you know, we've talked about this before, but they're going to have to be very, very mindful of their usage of Brandon Morrow at this point. I, I don't think there's any. I think I think they learned their lessons. Well, and way. you know, I learned their lesson, yes, but also they were very careful with him last year. They they already well, they did had that, that and one they went three into day the stretch, year. though, Corey. They had that one three day stretch where Madden used him. What is it, three straight days? And even Theo kept citing that 
during the early part of the offseason as a problem. Like, Yeah, so. but I, I think for the most part, though, like they weren't perfect about it, but they did go into the year talking about how they were going to have to be careful with his yeah, usage. They did. They did. And I thought for the most part they were. There were a decent number of occasions on, you know, back-to-back win days or whatever where, you know, there was a good segment of us wondering like, is Morrow really not available like ever two days in a row or, you know, with a day off? Like there was definitely some occasions where you were like, all right, can we get Morrow up? Especially in this year, you're you're going to have to be very careful with Morrow. And I think you need to, to a degree, gear the focus to what do we need to do usage wise to make sure that this guy is available for us towards the end of the year in, in some of these, you know, super you know, maybe important division games or in the playoffs, whatever. Uh, but you, you know, you need, you need him for that. And I I think that, you know, if he comes back, I'm not, I'm not sure what role they're going to plan on having him occupy. And I, and I don't know that he would be the closer. So uh, yeah, I would, I would toss Strope out there and, and see if he can do it. He did a very good job of handling that role, uh, down the stretch before he got hurt in the 2018 season, and I don't see any reason why he can't do it again. I think he's got the mental fortitude and strength to handle that role and bounce back when, you know, he does have an outing that doesn't go the right way. I think he's got the all, all the makings of uh, handling that role just fine. So I, I would go with that and... Um, you know, you do have someone like Ciszek who who has had some experience there before, uh, waiting in the wings, or you know, as that guy that can you know fill in when when Strope has an off day or whatever. So I think from that perspective, I, I think they're more than suited to cover that role. Um, and you know, again, you 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 don't know that any of them would end up in in that spot, but you know, you still you you hold out that hope that some of these young guys or some of these these names you're bringing in can again carve out roles for themselves, and you know, maybe make a conversation like that a little more interesting. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. If there's one thing I do regret from last season that Joe did was kind of overuse Cizek prior to September. Yes. And I do think, to a degree, you know, it's just speculation, but I do think... Him being overworked led to a bad September in which his walk rate approached six. He gave up more runs. Did not look like his usual self. So, yeah. well, to be fair, we were, season, uh, you know, we were amongst a crowd of many pointing that out basically from the beginning. Like, And it wasn't like he was getting – because his innings weren't crazy high. They were higher than the average, but he was just getting warmed up like <laughs> every day or every yeah. other day, even when he never used to go in. So he was just – he was overused, Corey. Yeah, so I think that's something to monitor. Morrow's usage is something to monitor once we even figure out, you know, when he's going to be back and what his schedule is going to be. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the bullpen is in an interesting place. But, I, you know, as you pointed out with a lot of these names, I, I do think that there's enough enough there to construct a useful, successful bullpen. It's, it's just going to be one of those things you're going to have to – monitor you know how it all comes together and i think there's there's a good portion of these guys who you know you may have to have a fairly short leash with and i and i think that you know theo's talent or production over talent comments you know mostly applies to 
the position players and the offense. But I, I think you can look at that strategy in, as it relates to the bullpen as well. You know, not to say sure. that yeah. the Cubs will give up on Carl Edwards Jr. if he, you know, battles with control again. But I, I think you quickly as a team need to decide like, all right, you know, this is what this guy is apparently. And we cannot operate as though he's going to magically land into that high leverage success position. You know, I think Mm -hmm. a a younger guy in a similar example is Dylan Maples. We all love Dylan Maples. He has one of the nastiest, it depends who writes it, but it's a cutter, a slider. I know you have a strong position on that, but (laughs) he's got nasty stuff. But at a certain point, if you can't throw strikes, which he has not shown any ability to be able to do, you know, you have to say like, all right, we, we don't really have the time forever to, you know, let some of these guys figure their stuff out. You know, I think it, you mentioned these two names as well, Brandon Kinsler, Brian Dunting. You know, if, if they're not going to be effective, you, you know, you got to cut bait. You got to cut bait or stop using them. You know, with, sure. it, with the way this bullpen is constructed, I think you're going to need to be quick about saying, all right, these are the guys who we can really trust and who we can really give a bigger, higher leverage role to. And these guys, you know, they've had their chances. It's just not going to cut it. Sure. Yeah. And that, that kind of goes back to Theo's urgency comment as well. So a sense of urgency also extends to giving players who are playing well more playing time. That's the nature of urgency. You need to, you need to win games. You give more of the opportunities to the hot hand, perhaps. And like someone like Maples, I mean, it's it's kind of it's so weird to see these numbers. Even in AAA last year, Corey, his walk rate was over nine per nine. His 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 strikeout rate was eighteen batters per nine innings. That's a crazy stat line. So I don't think, I mean, not to get specific here, but I, you just can't rely on that. But doesn't exclude the fact that you're you know if he gets the hot hand. And he's not walking guys for two, three weeks. Give him, give him the ball. Like take advantage of that. And I think that that may be kind of a a philosophical switch from what we're used to seeing, where in years past, if someone's struggling, Joe's going to use him a little bit more to kind of get him through those tough times. We saw that with Ian Happ at a leadoff spot. We saw that with Kyle Schwarber in a leadoff spot. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. The moment someone struggles for a few weeks, I think the urgency is going to be a little bit more apparent, and the guys who are playing well may get more of an immediate chance. And so, Brendan, I I want to transition real quick into a couple of names that you're going to be hearing a lot of going forward, and justifiably so. The MLB Pipeline releasing their top 100 prospects for the 2019 season, and we have two Cubs in the list. They they are rather low on the list, uh, but they're on the list. So uh, that is exciting, and I think these are two names that we're 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 going to be uh, looking forward to watching play and ultimately seeing their impact with the Chicago Cubs, maybe not necessarily in 2019, perhaps, uh, but definitely beyond that. And those two names coming in at 100, uh, the shortstop Nico Horner mm-hmm. and at number 94, catcher Miguel Amaya. Those are both names you've heard on this podcast before, uh, but always good you know, when these guys from the Cubs organization are getting this, this national recognition and, you know, showing that they are catching the attention of not just people who are obsessing over the Cubs system. These are guys that, uh, you know, you need to be watching. So I know that, uh, you are like all of us, but in particular, uh, a big Nico man. So I will turn it to you. Just any, any thoughts on these guys and any, any, expectation Cubs fans should have of any impact they may make in this particular season, or are we looking 2020 and beyond? No, I I think Horner may have a shot to rapidly move through the system, and I would not bet that we see him in 2019, but I wouldn't rule it out. I I think if he is able to kind of go through double-A, and we don't know where he's going to start, by the way, but if he's able to go through double-A successfully, that's all you necessarily need to prove that you're deserving of a spot in September when the call-ups are are expanded. 
So I, I, I think it's a possibility. I think it's a slight possibility, but a possibility nonetheless. For Horner in particular, I, I think just these these national lists, they don't really give you that much insight, but it kind of just shows that these guys are giving more recognition. The entire cup system is interesting right now. But Horner in particular is probably one of the more interesting ones because of his fast track and his college history, but specifically because of that power increase that we've seen. And he highlighted that in the AFL. He highlighted that just in a short time with the Cubs. Um, And we didn't really see that when he was playing in Stanford. I think he only hit two homers in his final year at Stanford, whereas when he came over to the Cubs in his first 30, 45 plate appearances, he already hit two homers. And he's displaying more pop. They've talked about it. He's talked about it. And so if he can actually hit more homers and hit for more extra base hits, then he gets interesting. He gets very interesting because I think a fair comp to Nico Horner is like someone like Whit Merrifield. And I say that for a variety of reasons, one of which is they're both extremely fast. And they're both probably going to stick, unless Horner can uh, prove otherwise with Javi Baez being there, they're probably going to be a second base. That's valuable. That's extremely valuable. And Horner barely strikes out. Although in the AFL, he kind of did a little bit, but that's that's beyond the point. I don't, I don't know. I, I like it, Corey. I think, I think Horner is more of a fast track guy. I think his ceiling is high, but his floor is extremely high. So you kind of have an idea of what he can produce. Someone like Miguel Amaya, he's probably my favorite hitting prospect in the system right now next to Cole Roterer. But Amaya, guys, he's young. He proved last year he can hit for power without striking out and he can see pitches. And I, I think overall, you look at Horner, you look at Amaya, they're kind of leading the charge from next wave of Cubs prospects. But if you continue to go down the list, someone like Braylon Marquez, who's very tall, I think he's six foot three, six foot four. He's a left-hander, throws almost a hundred miles per hour. That's interesting. Jonathan Sierra is kind of my guy. I think he's interesting. Cole Roderer, who I just talked about. And those 10 pitching guys who I just mentioned who are in AA and AAA. The Cubs system, while we've been kind of conditioned to expect Ian Happ and Eloy Jimenez and Chris Bryant to come up every single year, that's not the case right now, but give it another year or two, and a lot of these lower-level guys are going to start making their entrance into these national top prospect lists. And that that system as a whole, I think, is extremely exciting. And I, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just me being a little bit irrationally optimistic right now. But I do love the state of the Cubs farm system. I know they don't have that Eloy Jimenez right now, but they very well could in the next year or two when these guys continue to adjust, improve, succeed, and maybe even adapt to a philosophical change that the Cubs are using right now. You know, like you said, uh, they, they can't be churning out the Chris Bryants of the world every year, but it is always fun when these guys start to move up these ranks. And, you know, like we had for those many years where the Cubs were, you know, routinely having multiple players atop lists like this, um, that's always fun. And, you know, you check in on those guys, what they're doing uh, alongside what the major league team is doing. And it's fun to to see those guys succeed and uh, you know, ultimately kind of envision what they'll, they'll be doing and how they can help the major league group. And just because you brought them up, I, I, I do always, you know, kind of like to point it out. Um, just a reminder to everybody, Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez have still not played a major league baseball game. So I, I know a lot gets made, uh, you know, when, you trade big prospects like that. And, and I know a lot will be made uh, in some circles. Of course, Eloy, number three on the list that we're talking about, uh, still has not played a major league baseball game. So still hurts me that they traded him though. Of course I mean. it does. And, uh, you know, I <laughs> that, fully that expect him to have the a White very Sox successful are major league career. But at the I end of the day, you know, sometimes uh, trades like that are evaluated um, from a a future perspective. And, you know, uh, those two guys have yet to contribute anything to the Chicago White Sox. So I, I just it. always like to, you know, kind of offer that as a, a different perspective. That, I mean, if we're going to go back to the Quintana thing, yeah, at the time the Cubs needed pitching. They were competing for another World Series ring, and Jimenez was just turning 20 years old. So I, I get it at the time, but... He, Corey, he's going to be something else, man. Jimenez is going to be something else. Just, you know, just saying it. 
I, I don't disagree, but I'm just saying, like, we're, we're still talking about guys that have contributed nothing to a major league roster. So I just think it's worth pointing out. There, there's always a lot of, uh, I think, definitive discussion when it comes to trades like that, and especially when these guys have, you know, their future still to go. But, you know, like, let's why, let's wait until they actually do something before we all freak out about it. But That's fine. The the last the last question I have for you, Brendan, as uh, before we wrap up, uh, we've got about three weeks ish until teams are all in spring training and, and working out and getting ready for ultimately those first spring training games. We still have obviously the the two big fish of of the off season and and the free agent market still on the board. We've we've seen teams around the Cubs make some moves, but. Uh, operating under the the thought that the Cubs are not going to be making any big splashes, this is kind of how they're going to be operating. Where would you like to see those two players go? That <laughs> is the best outcome for the Cubs because we've seen. I, I remember when yeah. the Reds and Dodgers made that trade for Yasiel Puig. And it was basically a foregone conclusion at that point that they were going to slot Bryce to replace Yasiel in right field. Then they were maybe still going to go after Corey Kluber from the Indians or JT Riomuto from the Marlins. And, you know, I think everybody started spinning those wheels thinking, oh, man, the Dodgers are tired of losing in the World Series every year and they're going to put together, you know, a, a super team in so much as they can. Uh, it it maybe doesn't appear that that's what they're going to do. Certainly seems very less likely uh, with AJ Pollock being signed. But given what we've been hearing, we're hearing the Padres now scheduling meetings with Manny Machado. They want to be in the mix. The White Sox, of course, have been in the mix. We've heard about these other teams. Where would you like to see this all shake out so that you are least concerned about the impact it has in the Chicago Cubs? Away from the division, number one. Number two, away from the Dodgers. Whatever they're doing right now, I still think they're in on Harper. Maybe I'm just being an idiot, but I don't know. I, I feel like they could still do it. Ideally, um, you know, the White Sox are always there. I know it might be uncomfortable and a reminder that the Cubs could not land one of Harper or Machado, but that has very little effect on the Cubs. So if it's the White Sox, so be it. Uh, the Phillies, unfortunately, are probably going to land one of them. Let's be realistic. I, I think, you know, I don't know at this point, but it sounds as if Machado is is on top of their list. We're hearing more about Harper recently, but you never know. I just really hope, really hope that his market, and I'm talking about Harper, his market does not drop so much that he becomes a realistic target for the Cardinals. And we've heard rumors even of that the past week or so. I, I don't think that eventually happens, but it still scares me. And even more recently, Corey, we heard Milwaukee getting in on the Manny Machado sweepstakes, which I do not buy whatsoever. Reason being, in I think it was November, uh, many reports came out saying the Brewers are going to cut their payroll which I, I laughed about. I maybe that's a false report at the time, but unless they're switching gears here, it's very weird to me to go out and sign Grundahl for almost $20 million a year, then pick up someone like Machado for 25 to 35 a year. That's not cutting payroll. So we'll see. I, I, ideal partners for uh, Harper or Machado are away from the division, away from the Dodgers. Unfortunately, the Phillies, they're going to land one of them. That's just how it is. Other than that, I could care less who these guys go to. Just please don't face the Cubs 19 times a year. Don't be in the division. Don't be even near potentially the National League. Just get out of this entire league, Corey. Just get out of here. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm I'm in agreement there. I think the key is obviously avoiding the Cardinals or the Brewers and staying away from the Dodgers. I think ultimately, you know, the NL East is very strong uh, and that's a problem for another time. You know, ultimately, the, if, you know, the Cubs are in the playoffs, they're not going to have to face all of them. So, you know, you let them fight it out during the year and you deal with whoever comes out on top. You know, if that's mm. uh, your problem at some point, that's fine. But yeah, I think the the concern the whole offseason, if the Cubs are not going to be the ones to do it, is you don't want the Dodgers 
going for the kill here and basically, you know, saying because part of the the issue with uh, the Dodgers is n- not just that they've been very good and obviously have won the pennant two times in a row, only to lose the World Series two times. They in a did row. lose the World Series twice. Yeah, right. Uh, the the issue with them, I think, is more so that as it currently stands, they play in a wretched division. So you have this team who is able to be at the top of the league in payroll and for most of these years just waltzes into the playoffs, right? They did have to play in a tiebreaker last year, uh, but you know I think a lot of that was how awful they were, obviously, in the beginning of the season. So I think that the concern from them, again, not only comes from them having had the success, but that they, unlike the teams in the NL Central and the NL East, seem to face the least threat of being derailed. So mm-hmm. you, you, you'd you worry about them loading up on all these players because you know they, they might be in a position where they can set themselves up however they want for the playoffs way earlier than everybody else because the division just isn't any good. So I think that that's, those are obviously the keys. All this Padres talk is very intriguing to me. Like let any of these players go, uh, play for the Padres. I think they're, they're, they are interesting though. I think they're interesting, but I I think Manny Machado going to the Padres would hardly worry me from a a Cubs perspective. You know, if anything, it, you know, it makes the, the, the NL West a little more interesting. And again, you know, keeps him out of the hands of teams we really don't want them to be in. Uh, so I would take that. I think the White Sox, look, I don't care about the White Sox. I think I've said this before. Um, they have nothing to do with the Chicago Cubs. So I, I, I have never bought into that rivalry. I don't care about the Crosstown Cup. I know Brendan is a big Crosstown Cup guy. He's got a replica in his apartment. So I got two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my attitude is like Javi when they gave it to him in the 2018 season. I think Kelly Cruel handed him the trophy and he had the look of like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, what is this trophy that you just it's gave me? I don't cool. know what this is or what I'm supposed to be doing with this. But um, yeah, let him go to the White Sox. I, like, I, I don't care. Let their fans get excited. It makes no difference to me. Uh, if we saw them in the World Series great. That means the Cubs are in the World Series. But beyond that, I really don't care uh, what goes on in that particular portion of the city of Chicago. I want to ask you one one last question here, Corey. Sure. What is your predicted timeline before one of these two guys signs? is it in one week, two weeks, three weeks? What are you What are you betting yeah, on? Yeah, right I don't know. I mean, because it's it's pretty jarring to be reading that you know, like the Padres are setting up a meeting now. I, I mean, it's it's almost February, Brendan. I mean, it's really <sighs> nearly February, and we're hearing teams are just now setting up. I, I don't recall if the Padres had had inquired on them before, but it like a, a first meeting or even a second meeting. It's crazy that this is happening this late. Is I, baseball I would, broken, man? <laughs> I mean, I say that genuinely. What is like? What is going on here? It's not yeah, I to talk about it here, but like this. I yeah, this I, mean, is an I think issue. it's a it's a longer issue, and and I think that it's uh, you know unfortunately probably going to come to a head at some point in a way that is not super satisfying for the consumers, i.e., I, the fans. Um, but it's obviously an issue when you have these types of free agents who are this young, right? Because one of the main arguments to counter, you know, when, when people bring up these issues is, you know, you'd look at someone like Arietta or you Darvish and you'd say, yeah, they signed late, but it was because, you know, not that many people are super excited about giving five plus years to 31, 32 year old pitchers. Right. But mm-hmm. you can't make that argument with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. They're 26 yeah. years old. They're, they're, yeah. they're 26 years old and have produced at extraordinarily high levels. So when even those guys are struggling, it's just, again, it's, it's a longer conversation that perhaps we can wade into one day, but it just speaks that something is off. But as far as to your original question, I would think soon, man. I, I because we saw with Arietta last year that he signed so late he was not even ready for opening day. He was behind schedule, right? And you know, with a new team, and I, and I just don't think that that is where 
Bryce or Manny would want to be. Well, it's, I wouldn't be surprised, though. I mean, look, Boris is Harper's agent, and he was Arietta's agent, too. So the precedence is there for Boris to hold out. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would just think that they're trying to wrap this up and, and get to spring training and, and be on time, you know, especially with the deals that we're potentially talking about. You know, it's it's a particularly awkward way to start, a, you know, calling an eight-year deal, right? You're, you're, you, you know, you show up to spring training late, you're, you're behind for the beginning of the regular season. I just don't think that's how these guys want this to go. And, you know, but again, it, it just depends. I mean, we hear at times so few teams, you know, really making genuine efforts to go after these guys that, yeah, I mean, it, it, it may be that they decide to take a stand and, and set a precedent. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's I, a strange I, thing. Last- I, 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 honestly, I can't believe that we're in this spot. It all makes sense to me. I understand how we end up in this spot that it takes so long and, and, you know, what the teams are doing versus what the players want, but it's crazy to be near February. I mean, the Cubs are already, they just tweeted one out, you know, while we were recording this, we're recording on a Sunday. uh, So if you're, if you're looking for the tweet, it may not be there. Uh, But, you know, they're tweeting out bags of balls in the Arizona sun, you know, (laughs) getting ready, teasing everybody because it's so close. And, you know, these two guys still don't, and they're not alone. You know, Craig Kimbrell still doesn't have a team, you know, so it's, it's pretty wild to be in this spot, but ultimately, yeah, as long as they don't do something that adversely will affect the Cubs on a routine basis. I am, you know, like I said, I think once we got those words at the Cubs convention, in my mind, I moved on. I I think perhaps we all should have moved on before that. But, uh, hold on, hold on, but there is a caveat to that. Okay, okay. Why, and maybe you can fill me in on this, because maybe I'm just too dumb, but why the hell, Corey, is Ben Zobris' name persistently coming up in trade rumors even as of today a sunday january 27th why is that happening i just saying just saying you know 12 million on the books right there um and i'm pretty sure he's making 16 million against the actual payroll why is why is that happening i'll I'll let you guys think about that for yourselves but you know it's kind of interesting i thought I don't know, um, but Especially yeah, with the unless it was with freeing the reliever market up money gone. for a big deal, I don't even want to hear that. Like, Benzo should retire a Cub, and until he could be 50 years old, until he shows he's not just going to put up that same slash line that he's been putting up for however many years, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to assume he's going to do the same thing. So, uh, Just saying, you know, it's interesting. It makes you think, that's all. Yes, well, and that's uh, a hallmark of yours is is making people think. But I think that's a compliment. I think that's all we got. Um, again, this is, and it's been an odd off season. It's an odd place, and it it definitely feels uh, surprising looking back on it all to be you know having the the main point of discussion for a podcast like this be uh the those bullpen names we were coming up with which is uh got to be one of the least exciting you know subjects that you and I have covered probably since we started this podcast Brendan but uh I I you know I I not sure there's anything less exciting in baseball than bargain bin bullpen hunting. Um, it kind of feels like, you know, when you play one of those baseball video games and do a fantasy draft, these are the names that you end up in the bullpen because you you go after the top tier hitters and starting pitchers first. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I got to <laughs> like I actually have to have a bullpen. Uh, George Contos. Yeah, great. Fine. That's that's how it feels to me. Um, but here we are. So, uh, you know, if it makes you feel any better, um, there's, you know, I saw some odds coming out of Las Vegas and Las Vegas still has the Cubs as the second favorite in the NL behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. So everybody looking at it from uh, an objective perspective still have the Cubs right there. So I know it's been an odd path to getting here, uh, but I uh, you know, I think like I have the whole time. I tend to agree. I, I you know, and, and I think I'm especially 
we'll see how the rest of it plays out. They're still connected to JT Rio Muto, et cetera. But I don't, you know, I don't think the Dodgers are a better team right now than they were last year. And I, I don't know that the, the Cubs are either. Uh, but I think there's reason to believe they can be. So I think, you know, right now I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think the Cubs are, are still right there at the top of this national league. And we're, you know, as we've said before, we're going to have to wait and hold the organization to what Theo's been saying. We're going to prioritize production over talent. And I think that is going to be the theme of the 2019 season that, you know, from the minute this season starts, you either produce or, you know, we're going to try to give an opportunity to a guy that will. So uh, it'll be interesting, but we will uh, come to you guys uh, next Monday because we we did get, you know, a a couple of inquiries uh, (laughs) as to whether the signing of Brad Brock met the conditions uh, that I had laid out for jumping on midweek because he did sign midweek. The timing was right and everything, but uh, yeah, Brendan and I didn't even, didn't even debate that one. It was, it was a hard no on that one. Um, But should they that 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 still stands we you know we will we will still stick to that because uh as we've pointed out those names are still there so technically it's still possible so we'll keep you posted on that uh but otherwise we will just continue to inch towards spring training it is close folks we are almost there i you can smell that that tweet from the cubs is coming where they show that big truck full of stuff leaving and heading towards Arizona and and everybody uh you know posting on their Instagram stories they're they're booking their flights and they're heading to Arizona we're close so we will uh you know keep you posted on anything that happens uh through that time we'll see if uh Theo is still sifting through that bin uh you know at the checkout line with uh the relievers and seeing <laughs> if they add any more guys to that mix uh, but other than that, we will we will talk to you next Monday. And as always, we thank you guys for listening. You can find us on all of the podcast mediums, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, etc. And as always, we will uh, look into any other platforms that you guys send to us. Uh, we always appreciate those iTunes reviews and the feedback we get on Twitter. Uh, and we thank you guys for listening. So whether they are playing or we are just counting the days to spring training, go Cubs. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola zero sugar, or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20 ounce bottle of diet Coke. Sprite or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20 ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.